Good morning. I can't tell my coach I got a clipboard. Uh, it's good to have the opportunity to share. So thank you, Steve, and thank you for that introduction. It's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, got my wife uh, and our youngest son, who just flew in for um, some holiday time with us there down at Bridges Parents in Assiniboia, but my other two sons are here. So it's exciting that, uh, that we get to just celebrate uh, with you this morning and, and share some stories about what God is doing. Out of curiosity, is anyone here a sports fan? Like, do you watch any, any sports on TV? Uh, you know, there's, or maybe you get to go to some live events and whatnot, but sports is one of those things where um, we, do, we don't accept mediocrity with our sports teams. Like, you, whoever your team is, if you're going to invest time and money into them, you're, you're all in and you hate it when they play a bad game, right? And even to the point where if, if a team for a number of years is really, really bad for a long period of time and they're lazy and they're poorly coached and they don't recruit well, you get really tired of them because mediocrity is just not something that you would accept. You, you want to cheer for a winning team. And to the point where you, you see fans put bags over their head because they're so embarrassed that they still have to keep cheering for a team. And the, they bought the season ticket, so they're invested, and so they go to the game with the bag over their head. Or if it gets really bad and they just don't want to tolerate the mediocrity of their team and they play a really poor game, they just finally throw in the towel and they take that jersey off and they throw it onto the ice. Right? Because as sports fans, we do not accept mediocrity. When it comes to, maybe you're not a sports fan. Right? Maybe you love movies. Maybe you're just, there, there's a whole genre of movies that you just love to go to, or maybe you just watch every movie all the time, or whether it's on Netflix at home or whatever, you just love movies. And you'll go on Rotten Tomatoes, and you try to figure out what is the best movie, and where it's rated, and what its ranking is, and is this a good actor, and maybe he had a bad, you know, the movie wasn't great, but it was a good actor, but even there, he didn't act that well, so you're kind of like, well, I'm not sure I want to tell other people to go and watch that movie, because it was actually a really bad movie, right? And so... We won't accept mediocrity when it comes to TV shows or movies. We just, it's like, if, we're, if we love it, we're going to tell people to go. But if, if we don't like it, there's absolutely no way. It's like, oh, it was embarrassing. Why? That was two hours of my life I'll never get back. How many of you have said that before? And if you don't watch sports or have a favorite sports team, and if you don't do movies and TV shows, maybe you listen to music. There's a young lady touring the world right now. <laughs> she just announced that she's got six concerts coming up in Toronto next year, and she's going to gross a billion dollars in sales because people love her music. They want to give time and money to go and watch her. But if Taylor Swift was a mediocre singer, did anyone download her music or listen or spend gobs of money to go and listen to her? Any music, for that matter. If it's bad music, we plug our ears. We turn off the radio. We switch songs, because we will not, for music, listen to mediocrity. And if you don't have a sports team, and you don't do movies, and you don't do music, does anybody here eat? <laughs> Moving back from Vancouver uh, to Musha, <laughs> it's been tough to find a good place to recommend to eat. We've tried a few different establishments. And the ones that we, like, some of them are, are like, ah, it, it was okay. We don't, like, we won't tell people that it was a bad restaurant. 
but it's like probably not going to come back here because it was like just average food. But when you find a really good restaurant, you want to keep going back to it over and over again because you love it. It's like the, the waitress was awesome, the cook comes out and talks to you and they engage with you, and the food was above, way above average, and you're excited about it. But when it's bad, when the food is like really, really bad, you don't stay silent about it. You're like, don't ever go there. Like a family comes to town, they'll say, where should you eat? And you're like, don't go there. I don't know where a good one is, but don't go to the bad one. Because again, we won't accept mediocrity in our lives. So just, just let me set that to the side for a moment. And I, I just want to talk to you. Like at Prairie Hockey Academy, there's some brilliant things that have been happening. We've just been there for one year, but we're going into our seventh year. Justin Simpkins is the owner of the academy, and they partner with Briarcrest Christian Academy, and it's a great partnership between Briarcrest and as they provide the education with a brilliant set of teachers and the dorm program, and we provide the hockey and the leadership development and all the other stuff. There's been some great things in this last year even that we've been able to be a part of and journey with. There's four teams of age of... 14 to 18 years old, of young boys. Next year, we're going to add a girls program, so we'll have five teams, close to 100 athletes that we work with. And we're really excited because we continue to see God at work in lives with these young men. Uh, this last year, you were even part of it. We, we were able to bring over a Ukraine family. I think they're up on the board here. Maybe not, maybe the next slide. But there's uh, a Ukraine family that was part of our academy um, we had our players come and be part of the Better Together Food Drive. Um, our athletes are getting drafted, and they're getting signed to scholarships, and they're going to play in the Western League, and they're, they're getting opportunities to go south and to university. And, and uh, our alumni came back for our golf tournament. We had over, almost 40 of our alumni come back and give back to our golf tournament that raises scholarship money for the next athletes coming through. So we're really excited about some of that stuff. And they, there's, there's scads of stories that we can sit here and tell you about what God is doing in the midst of the chaoticness of, of the sport and of young men trying to discover their way in it. And of course, there's, when you're dealing with 14 to 18-year-old boys, um, they make some below-average decisions at times. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thrilled that, Prairie, we don't put a bag over our head or throw the jersey on the ice and give up on these young men. We stand with them in the darkness of the sport of hockey and we use the sport of hockey as a platform to talk about Jesus and the difference that Jesus can make in their lives. And if we don't tell the story of what God is doing amongst it, then people will make up stories. They'll be like, there might be some really cool things. And they were involved in the food drive and they shovel sidewalks and they helped the Ukrainian family and all this other stuff. But that one kid, he made a bad choice. So Prairie must be garbage place to go. Don't send your kid and forget about it. And they make up a story about it. And I'm, I'm here to say that there's some amazing things that are going on there. We want to tell a different story. So what we've, we started a month ago. I asked Pastor Steve probably two months ago. I said, hey, is there anything going on with that studio in the back room or in the back of the lobby? Because we want to start a podcast. And we want to be able to tell the story of what's going on at Prairie Hockey Academy. And not just tell the story about what God is doing, but we want to be able to give nuggets of wisdom to parents and help them raise their kids in sport, not just in hockey. So we give them nutrition advice and training advice and how to, how to guide your young uh, child in the sport and, and do it from a Christ-centered perspective. So we started the podcast. It's on its third episode. It's called Win All Day, Every Day. It's on Spotify and YouTube and whatever other platforms, the Apple platform, I think it is. So look it up. I think there it is Win All Day, Every Day. Look it up. It's a podcast that goes out each week. We have different guests coming on, 
And it's exciting because what we get to do with it is tell our story of what God is doing in the academy, at Briarcrest Academy, or a, a, a high school, and to see lives changed. It, it's, a, it's a brilliant step that we've been able to take. Um, six weeks ago, um, I had some warranty work done on my leg. <laughs> uh, last time I spoke here was a year ago, and I talked about having my hip replaced. And um, I, I haven't been on the ice since February because the, uh, the pin inside my femur uh, was loose, became loose. And, of course, excruciating pain with that. And we went through uh, four different doctors, including one in the States, uh, before we came on to discovering who Dr. Ian Lutz is out of Saskatoon. And he, he finally looked at it from a different perspective. He took a different x-ray from a different angle. And in seeing the x-ray, he said, oh, my gosh, this is the worst I've ever seen. I'm the busiest ortho in the province. We're going to get you on the emergency list. I'm super glad that on that day and in the journey for the last six weeks, that Dr. Lutz did not do below average. If you were to meet this man, he's a young, energetic doctor that chooses excellence on every day. And so uh, tomorrow will be six weeks. So I'm, we're up at the hospital in Saskatoon, and um, the surgery's been delayed because of other surgeries and whatnot. So I haven't eaten since midnight, and now it's 3 o'clock, and so my veins aren't very uh, friendly to the poor nurses. And so the one nurse, she starts poking, and, uh, you know, I had like six different spots that she tried to find in my arm, on my left arm. And finally she got a spot and, and got it in there. It hurt like crazy um, because she had to root around in there to get it. There's actually six weeks later, you can still see some of the, the wounds from that. Um, but it, the, if you're a nurse, maybe you get this. I didn't know this, but it, the, the, the needle was up against the gate. And so it wasn't good, but it was okay. It was average. And because they're trying to get things sped up, we went through with that. Um, about 10 minutes later, my anesthesiologist came in, and she's going through, like, giving me your name, your birth date, and all this other stuff, and making sure that they're taking uh, the right person into the surgery room. And she has a look at it, and she's like, oh, that's, that's an average IV. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, it's given me some nutrition, so I don't, I don't know whether it's average or not. But she said, no, we're going to give you a different one. So she... She came back with some machine that like, was able to get her uh, directly into uh, a, a vein over on this arm. And she's like, yes, that's an excellent IV. Let's go. And so we get into the, um, into the surgery room. And I've elected to do this uh, wide awake. So to get my hip replaced, they, they gave me a little needle and froze my left leg from my waist down. And uh, laid me on my side. And I was wide awake during the whole thing sitting there talking to Dr. Lutz and uh, listening to all the sounds and the commotion going on, feeling like I'm part of a TV show in reality. I'm like, ooh, this is really weird. But the anesthesiologist said, at any time, if you start to freak out or get nervous, I'll just turn the switch here and I'll be your bartender, she said, and uh, I'll give you a drink and you just, you'll, you'll be out and you won't remember anything. I'm like, no, I, I want to remember everything. I'm going to try and be courageous and I'm going to try and go through this. And uh, so... <clears throat> Um, we're laying there, or I'm laying there, and we're about 60 minutes into the procedure. I'm starting to get kind of nauseous, but I don't want to say anything because I'm like a tough hockey guy, and I'm like, you're hungry. Just think of a cheeseburger that you're going to have afterwards. 
and uh, then I start sweating. I'm like, well, it's just hot in here. And then, like, seriously, just out of nowhere, the anesthesiologist stands up. Lutz! Stop right now! Crash team, get in here! Lutz, stop! Where's my crash team? And, and I'm laying on my side, and I'm like, oh, this is something's really bad going on. This is weird. This is a crappy way to die. And as my movie scene of my mind started shrinking, as I'm laying on my side, the one nurse, she came right to me, and she's trying to encourage me. As I'm seeing in the background, all the crash team come up. And as, as my world continues to shrink and shrink and shrink, and it gets to about the baseball size of both this microphone, the only thing I could utter at that time was, just do your job. I, I, I didn't mean to be offensive. I, didn't mean, I was just like, as a coach, I was trying to give my last words of encouragement. <laughs> Like, just do your job. Um, If the anesthesiologist chooses average that day, I'm not here to talk to you this morning. If... uh, If the crash team just decides to be like, ah... This surgery is so run-of-the-mill, it happens every day. Dr. Luce does five of them. There's zero complications. We're just going to mail it in. I'm not going to be prepared. Then I'm no more than a memory to you this morning. But three minutes later, um, things are back to normal, and they're showing me their holiday pictures and their animal pets, and uh, they're like, Lutz, get this dude sewed up and wheeled back into the waiting room. And because Dr. Lutz and his team... Uh, are, are continually choosing excellence, uh, I've got a story to tell. And just as you brag about your Rough Riders, or your Oilers, or your Maple Leafs, or your Star Wars movies, or your favorite band, and uh, your favorite restaurant, and you're excited to tell people about it, for the rest of my life, I will tell people about Dr. Lutz because he chose excellence. From him himself, to his anesthesiologist, to the nurses, that room was dialed in. And they would not accept average. And I know that because we had a follow-up with him on Monday in Saskatoon. And he, he came in, and he's, I'm, I'm sitting on the side of the bed. I'm all nervous. I'm like, is he going to give me clearance to go back on the ice? Because that's my job. I haven't been on the ice since February. And he, he come in and... There was no chair for him, so he didn't stand over top and lord it over me. He came right in front of me and got on his knees, and he's like, how's it going, Barrett? The dude's engaged. He chooses excellence. He cares about his patients. And so I'll keep telling people for the rest of the, until my last breath, no different than you with your Rough Riders, I will tell people about Dr. Lutz. Um... It still bugs me a bit. So uh, the reason is because the tendon is still stretched out. The hip itself is perfectly fine. So if you see me walk around and you're like, is he okay? The hip's awesome. I get to go on the ice next week. Uh, but this, this IT band, I've got to keep working on and stretching. Speaking of excellence, has anyone done a home renovation? Anyone done any little repairs? <laughs> We're going through one right now. And uh, the... If, if I had a, a dollar for every time I've said this, uh, 
we'd have a lot of money. Uh, you're, you know, you cut a, a piece of board to put the baseboard in or a tile or you're doing something and you're like, oh, I was like a quarter inch too short or the angle I cut at a bad angle or the paint color wasn't quite right. And what, what do we all say? No one will know. Just, just put it in, put some caulking on it or sand it and mud it over here and no one will know. And then I think of myself and how we always talk about win all day, every day, and choosing excellence. And it's like, oh, give me that board. I'll go cut a straight one. Because I don't want an average house. What about our faith? What about our faith? Are we average? Can we just be like, well... I, I read my Bible last week-ish. This should be good enough. I'm going to church on Sunday, so I'll get my tanks filled up there. I, uh, I gossiped. I mean, I, I prayed a couple weeks ago for somebody. That, that should be covering for my prayer life. The preacher's got the message, so I don't need any motivation or Bible study. Um, I, I served at the Better Together Food Drive back at Halloween last year, so I don't really need to serve anybody in the community. And we just kind of go through church life, average, without choosing excellence. And when we choose average, we choose, or we, we get what we don't want to be. And then we sit back and we wonder why the world around us is falling apart. And why our world maybe is falling apart, and why marriages are breaking up, and when... Um, Addictions are through the roof, and churches are empty because young people are fleeing because they're tired of average. But yet our God, that Pastor Steve just talked about when we took communion, the God that spoke life into existence, the God of creation. People always laugh at us when we say we moved back from Vancouver to Saskatchewan. Like, why would you do that? Vancouver is such a beautiful place and all the mountains and you can see God's creation everywhere. A friend was with us two days ago and I said, Gary, come out here and look at the sunset as it sets over top of this field and the train roaring in the background and the beauty of God's creation everywhere. God has never once skimped on his creation. The moment that we think that God is irrelevant and below average, all you need to do is look outside and see his creation. But we just choose in our own lives right now. And I'm, I'm, I need to be sitting right there. In fact, I, our season tickets are section C, row four, and seats five and six back here. So I'm one of you. I'm speaking to myself. This isn't me taking stones and throwing it at your glass house. This is me standing shoulder to shoulder with you and saying, we can't. If we won't accept average at our restaurants and our music and our movies and our sports teams, then why are we accepting average in our church and in our lives? Um, God has created us to be light. Uh, there's some verses here. I'm going to grab my phone. Bear with me. It's <clears throat> They're up on the board, but oops, 
In Colossians, sorry, in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, it says, Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everybody. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's handiwork. Think about that. As much as you think that there's beauty outside, God has created each and every one of us with beauty. You are his handiwork. He has crafted you, and he has created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Then my favorite in Matthew 5, 14 and 16, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, in other words, if you become average or below average, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then finally, in Hebrews 12, 1. And uh, and this one probably drives home the message the most. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. What is the race that's marked out before us? The thing that he has created you to do. You're his handiwork. He's created you. He's he's built a race course specifically for you in your life. And we go through life and we do a great job actually in the church. If there's anything that the church does well is, is we take care of sin really well. We know what the sins are and we try to avoid them the best that we can. And we find those faults and sins in other people outside of us. And we're like, those are the sins that so easily entangle us. Hebrews 12.1. But where we get average, and well below average, and I'm speaking to myself here, is the first part of that. Throw off everything that hinders you. What hinders us? What prevents us from running? Fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of what other people might say about us, fear of not fitting in, the lies that we've been told, you can't do that, you're not good enough, you failed at that in the past, don't try it again, you, made, you embarrassed us, you didn't have the right words to say, you weren't prepared, or there's jealousy, oh, I can't speak as good as that person, I can't be as good a light as that person, there's the unforgiveness, maybe you've just done something in your life that you're like, well, God can't ever forgive me. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to mail it in. No one will know. I'm just going to mail it in. I'm going to just patch up that area of my life and hide it and just deal with it that way. But I'm just going to be below average over here. Or maybe it's pride. Uh, I, I don't talk to those kind of people. Or I don't, I, I don't want to give my light to that kind of person. Or I don't want to impact that person because I, I know what kind of person they are. And I just don't want to be associated with them which comes with selfishness and gossip and we get busy and we get bitter and then we just really say it's not our job. But Hebrews 12, 1 says, get rid of that. Those are the hindrances. If you're going to run the race and, and you're on a racetrack like a steeplechase course and there's all these big hurdles that you've got to run over and, and, and water you've got to jump over, those are the sins that we've got to avoid because they, they'll, they'll smash your face on the ground. 
but we're willing to stand in the starting blocks with 50-pound weights of fear and unforgiveness, and we're going to run with shoes that are torn apart with pride and selfishness, and instead of just getting rid of all that and run the race that he's given us, we just come up with this list of excuses that force us to live a life of average or below average. I got to go to my first football game a couple or a month ago <laughs> since leaving the Riders. My first, my first football game um, in the new stadium. And uh, it was a pretty exciting game. The Riders were 3-0 and oh going into the game, I think, even. Like, there was, there was buzz. Like, the stadium was packed. It was pretty exciting. Um, you guys ever been to a sporting event where you see the, the coaches and the players on the sidelines standing there and they're cheering? They, they, the play is here, but they've turned their backs to the play and they're looking at the stands over here and they're trying to get everyone to stand up and cheer. Anyone, you ever been at a sporting event like that? And at first you're sitting there and it's kind of like, oh, look at those guys. They're, oh, they want us to cheer, right? And you got Gaynor, he's got his sign up there, defense! And everyone's trying to get excited and just you're sitting there, you're kind of clapping. And then they keep doing it, like, oh, there's a, this must be an important part of the play of the game here. Like, maybe if we can be really noisy and distract the other team, then maybe we can have a good play. So maybe now you stand up out of your seat, because 20 other people did. You didn't want to be the first guy, because that'd be embarrassing, because it's like, that's an average team. I don't want to stick my neck out for my average team. But all of a sudden, now you're, like, clapping a little bit more. And all of a sudden, the play's about to take place, and everyone around you is screaming and yelling, and your team makes a play, and you're going crazy, and you're high-fiving people that you don't even know, and you're just all excited. Anyone, hands up, experienced that or saw that? <sighs> you know, I, I think that's Pastor Steve. I think that's the pastoral team at a church. They're, they're here and they're saying, hey, we need to be a better light. We need to stop being average. We need to throw off these hindrances. And, and can we do it? Can we, can we love more? Can we serve more? Can, and not just being busy. We're not saying get busier and just be more distracted. We're just saying, can you choose excellence? And from the pulpit up here and the worship team and the rest of the team that serves, they're all saying, come on, people, let's just cheer. Can you, can you give us a little bit more? Can you choose above average? <clears throat> and then I hear people pull up their excuse book. On page 42 of the excuse book, it says, hey, uh, but Barrett, you don't understand where I work. It's, it's a unionized job, and the people, my boss is so hard on me, and it's a tough workplace, and I just, I, I just, I, I don't know, I actually hate going to work, and it's just not me, and I just, I just, like, you don't understand, I can't be a light there. But I'll, I'll be a light elsewhere, but just at work, I, I can't be that right now. Um, or I hear it from business people, it's like, I, I got to pay bills, man. I can't stick my, stick my neck out with my business because i got to sell stuff. And if I, if I be a light in sticking myself out there, uh, people might not like what I'm doing, and all of a sudden I might not sell stuff, and I can't give to the church, and I can't take my family on experiences, and I can't pay bills. So I just, I did, I'm just going to be average. I'm just going to ride the fence here and just kind of I'll let Pastor Steve and the team do that stuff. Um, has anyone heard the restaurant Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A does not have a headquarters. 
Chick-fil-A has a servant, um, uh, a service center, sorry. And they, uh, they, they take 30,000 applicants a year for the 300 franchises that they uh, start every year. 30,000 down to 300. And when you get chosen to be one of those 300, they take you to the service center, and you, pay, you spend about six months there, and they teach you. When you walk into the service center, there's a statue of two men, one walking down the road and the other guy trying to catch up, and it's the verse Matthew 5:41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two with them. And Chick-fil-A, that's all that they do. They talk about serving, serving, serving. From a Christ-centered perspective, all you need to do as a, a franchise owner is serve. It's called second-mile service. And did you know that Chick-fil-A is uh, number three in terms of volume franchises in North America, in terms of how many stores are open? But they're number one in North America for sales average per capita store. They're closed on Sundays, and they average $8 million in sales per store. Closed on Sundays. And if you went and walked in there and you ordered a chicken burger and a fries and a drink... On every piece of packaging is a, is a Bible verse. And people line up down the street to drive through the drive through and you've got to wait probably 10 minutes in line to stand through there and, and, and get served in the walkthrough. <laughs> oh, but my business, I can't, I, I, can't, I, I, I can't be a light in the business world. Tell that to Chick-fil-A. We've got a, a new partner that came on with, with Prairie Hockey Academy, their farm supply business, that their only goal with their farm supply business is to make money and give every cent away to ministry organizations that are being fruitful. And so we just found out two weeks ago that Prairie's going to be one of them, that they're going to, every grain bag they sell or every piece of fertilizer, whatever profit comes off of that, we get a piece of that because they want to use that for fuel into what God's doing at Prairie Hockey Academy and in Bible camps in Africa and other missions that they support. Don't tell me your business can't be a light. <clears throat> One more story. Um, <laughs> we had a tough year, uh, my, my team in particular. We, we won two games. We beat Notre Dame, so it was exciting to beat our cross-province rivals. But, um, yeah, there, there was, there, it, was, it was a hard year of helping negotiate and navigate uh, 14-year-olds' lives, some that were coming from broken homes and uh, some that weren't coming from broken homes. But they all have this journey of, like, I'm going to the NHL and I want to have the best experience ever, and we're trying to give that to them. And, we're trying to give it that platform of Jesus makes a difference in your life. We're dripping on them, and we're trying to make a difference. The teachers at Briarcrest at the high school are making a difference in their lives. But one of our players in a game uh, in, I think it was late October, maybe November, um, he was turning, and as he turned, he got hit and smashed his leg and uh, had to get pins and plates in it. And uh, he, he won our, league award, or our team award at the end of the season because of, for perseverance. He didn't miss a day. He continued to train because he's like, i got to continue to get back. i got to get this leg healthy. He chose excellence with every step of the way. When you walk in, by the way, to our, our facilities, went all day every day. It wasn't just something that we named our podcast after. 
Prairie Hockey Academy, that's all we talk about is win all day, every day. When you're on the ice and in the classroom and when you're going home with your family, serve Jesus, win all day, every day, and everything you're doing, give, be excellent. And so Grant chose excellence all throughout his rehab. And he, he was able to come back for the last couple of games of the year. Um, but by then, he had missed Team Alberta tryouts. He, um, you know, the Bantam draft, no one was obviously seeing him, so he wasn't going to get drafted. And he's sitting in class one day. And he's distraught. He's a 14-year-old boy that has seen his dream fade away. And as he's sitting there in class, he's actually got tears welling up in his eyes. And uh, the teacher, Mrs. Delgarno, if you know her, you know she doesn't choose average. She's all about excellence every day, all day. And in the middle class, she stops and she's like, Grant, are you okay? And Grant couldn't respond other than allowing another tear to roll down his cheek. And so she handed her class over to her assistant and she went out in the hallway. And for the next 90 minutes, talked to Grant about the difference that Jesus can make in his life. If Mrs. Delgarno chooses average that day, Grant's life will never be changed for eternity. But Grant came running down the hallway to our office, and he's like, guess what, Barrett? I've made Jesus part of my life. And everyone I talked to the rest of that day, they, they were blown away. They're like, did you see Grant? His, complex, his, his complexion has changed. He's a changed boy. Like He's got purpose, and he's got a spring in his step now. Because one teacher, in the midst of a classroom, when you shouldn't be talking to a kid about Jesus, pulled him out and said, you need Jesus. Again, I'm not talking about trying to get busier. I, I, don't, I don't want you to get busier. I hope you're not hearing that, that being excellent means busy. But being excellent means that you get off the hindrances off your back so that you can run the race. And your laundry list of excuses can't cut it anymore. I'm I'm fearful. I can't do it. I I don't know what to say. Uh, I I let the pastor do that. I don't know if I've got time to serve. I don't know if I... Just the laundry list is there. And, And we have to move away from that. That God has created for us... And in Colossians, he has created us for this purpose. Whatever your purpose is, whatever you're sitting there with right now, whatever he has called you to do right now, you don't need to go and change up your world. He's called you to what you're doing right now. And you can go and be a light of excellence in the midst of that. You can own your salvation and be the light. And, and don't be distracted about, oh, I'm not going to do this the right way. We talk to our guys all the time about an audience of one. An audience of one means that don't worry about what scouts think or what the next coaches think or the teams think or your teachers think. Be worried about making excellent choices because you want to honor God. He's your audience of one. That's the only guy that you should be trying to please with your effort of excellence and pursuing the edge of excellence every day is because you want to honor God with the, the, what he's called you to and the purpose that he's given you so you can live that with passion. So that's what my challenge is to you today is live your life with the audience of one. Win all day, every day, on the edge of excellence, choosing to be a light for him. 
that you're just like, Lord, I, I don't know what today is going to bring me, but it's going to be exciting. I'm going to be filled with joy. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have purpose. I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to have faithfulness. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to have a smile on my face because I no longer have all these hindrances. I can run this race that you've given me with purpose and excitement. And when you do that, you're just as attractive as Dr. Lutz is to me right now. And pretty soon people are going to be like, I want what he's got, and I want what she's got, and I want what those kids have. And people start coming back to the church, and young people will stop leaving the church because it's attractive. This becomes a place that they want to be at because we can run. And that's what we have to start doing. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm, I'm as average as all of you. I, I struggle every day with all of this whether it's with my nutrition or my working out or my excuses of not being a light, I have the same excuses, so I know what you're going through. But I'm, Dr. Lutz and his team gave me a lease on life. They kept me alive that day. He gave me a new leg so I could get back on the ice and do what God's called me to do. And I owe it to God, my audience of one to be excellent at everything I do. I challenge you to do the same. Thank you.